With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, John Worth, I'm here. It is this week's Sports Illustrated slash Tennis Channel Tennis Podcast. Our guest this week, Taylor Fritz. Taylor Fritz just turned 21, and as a birthday present, he got a new career-high ranking, up to number 49 inside the top 50. He is now headed to Milan for the ATP Next Gen event. Uh, good conversation with an up-and-coming player now in the top 50. Talk about Taylor's goals for 2019, which are ambitious. Uh, his disdain for mid-match coaching, which he shares uh, with some tennis observers, self-included. And what he's going to do this tennis off season. Uh, nice conversation with an up-and-coming player. Here he is, Taylor Fritz. Taylor Fritz, how are you? How you doing? I'm doing all right. Where, uh, where, where are we getting you? Where are you today? Uh, I'm at my my house in LA. You're not in Milan, Italy. When do you uh, when do you head over there? First thing tomorrow morning. First thing tomorrow morning, you're gonna cross a country, cross an ocean, and uh, and get to this event. So first off, how have you been managing things like travel and jet lag? How big an adjustment has that been? Uh, you know, I, it's not it's not too bad anymore. I think because it's my you know, it's my third year on tour, and I also travel a bit, you know, as well for the juniors. I think I'm finally kind of getting used to it. Got a good? Uh, you got a good jet lag trick? Mm, I mean, one. Not really. I think uh, I like to just. I mean, it really depends. If I'm if I'm at a place where I'm falling asleep too early, then I'll probably just try like like an energy drink, drink like maybe have like a Red Bull just to keep me up, and then. Uh, because that's, I mean, the, I mean, the number one rule is just like, once you, once you get to wherever you are, you that first day is the most crucial day. <laughs> you have to stay up, like you have to stay up to like ten that day. Exactly. You got you got to grind through that first day, and then uh, and then you'll be okay. Um, you absolutely have to stay up till ten to ten or eleven, and then and then you'll make it. But if you if you if you're weak the first day and fall asleep at a bad time, then you're you're in trouble for the rest, the rest of the trip. See, it's a service-oriented interview we do here. Um, let, let me ask you this. You you started the year outside the top 100. You're now top 50, headed to Milan. January 1st, do you, do you sign up for this year? I mean, is this happy with how things have gone? Uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say I'm, I'm pretty happy with the year. Um, I definitely, like, look back at a lot of matches, I feel like, Maybe I could have I could have won, but then you know when I think about that, I also think about a lot of matches that I probably shouldn't have won that I, I pulled out. So um, overall, I have to say I'm, I'm pretty happy to finish inside the top 50. You know, it's um, I mean I went almost two years without having a career high, and so now I just hit a new career high. So I guess that that feels really nice. So I'm glad I at least was able to do that this year. 
I think if, if you didn't come close, you were off by a couple of days. I think you hit your career high on your 21st birthday. Um, that's uh, yeah, re- read like into that, that what you will. Wait, go, go back to what you said before, because I, I think players players say that a lot, and th- they talk about the, the, the matches they, they they should have won and couldn't close out. When, when those matches happen, what what's usually the decisive factor? I mean, is it for serves? Is it just rally balls you wouldn't ordinarily miss? What separates points. those? It's points. It's big points. Big points. It's it's getting a little nervous at an important time. Not winning a point you maybe could have won. Not taking a chance you had. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, this, this, and then I look back at the ones I probably shouldn't have won that I did end up winning, and it's, it's the same thing. It's just those matches I, I won the big points, and so you know, it, it's important though to think about um, the matches you also probably shouldn't have won because it makes you feel a bit better about the uh, the other ones. So what's the difference in those matches? What do you mean? The, the matches where you look back and you say, boy, he really had me dead to rights. I was lucky to get through that one. What What's the difference in the matches you do pull out? Um, I mean, definitely just like staying positive and like not giving up, you know? I know for a fact I wouldn't have won any of those matches if I kind of just like threw in the towel, which uh, I'm sure a lot of people might have done in some of those situations I was in like I mean US Open for example in my first round match um, but then also of course then also winning the big points it's winning the big points and then not not getting too down yourself not not giving up and uh, but yeah I mean that's the biggest thing in, in, in any close match it's just winning the important points you mentioned the US Open I remember the match you had against team which was you know a high quality match against a top 10 guy at this point in your career, you play a good match, competitive match against a guy of that caliber. You take a set off him. You lose in four. What are you feeling walking off the court? Uh, I have to say, I was—I mean, I was probably a little bit disappointed because I had a lot of chances in that match. Um, you know, I won the first set, and then I was up a break. I believe I was up a break two different times in the in the third set so you know there's I mean I, there's really not much of an excuse for why I wouldn't have a two set to one lead in that match so it was disappointing and I would lost to him the year before also in, in four sets and I had I think, triple set point to go into five sets the year before so um, it's a little disappointing because I felt like I had, I had a good chance I felt like I was playing well I felt like it was a good opportunity for me to uh, to have a big win one of your beat a, a player but uh one of your one of your coaches one of your coaches Paul Paul Anacone, I don't know if he's ever told you this but you you ask him what is Roger Federer's greatest asset and he says short term memory he said Roger you know yep. p- plays a bad point and he forgets about it plays a bad match and by dinner time he's smiling what's your short term memory like I mean how how long are you uh, sort of e- eaten up by losses or riding high after uh, after wins what's your short term memory like. It's all right. I mean, I, some some losses hurt a lot more than others. Some take longer to get over. Um, I always tell Paul when he tells me that, you know, if I was number one in the world, I wouldn't really, I wouldn't really uh, get too worked up about a loss either. But uh, <laughs> exactly. But, uh, but um, 
it's it's getting better. I I think I think it's important to care though after after you lose, you know. I think um I think when I first got on tour, it the some of the losses cut me up a lot more than they do now. I think I've kind of got used to uh, to handling it typically because when I first came on, uh, you know, I was first came on the tour, I was kind of just playing a lot of juniors and then some challengers and I wasn't typically I guess used to to losing all that much and then, you know, you get pretty used to it on the tour when you're a young guy <laughs> just coming in. Wait, I mean, yeah, we keep going with that because I remember Steve, Steve Johnson, Stevie Johnson saying the same thing. He said, you know, I'd, I'd go months and months and months in college and I wouldn't drop a set. And then all of a sudden I, yeah, I can I lose four times in a month. What, what is it like adjusting yeah. to uh, not taking the trophy week in, week out? It's just like, well, it's, be, it's because you don't, you don't have those losses all the time. So when you do have those losses, they sting a bit more and you, you feel it a bit more. And then... When you keep getting those losses, I guess you can let it. it can you can let it hurt the confidence a bit because you're just not used to it. But um, I guess over time, you kind of you kind of get used to it and you build that kind of short short um, memory right. that we were uh, talking about. So I think I think it's definitely something you need to kind of like almost. Uh, learn or like adapt to when you get on tour it's definitely something that um it's an adjustment though right yeah it's definitely an adjustment it's definitely something you learn like when you're on tour especially when you're used to winning so much like stevie was in college or or uh, a lot of the young guys are in juniors so you're you're headed to milan and and last year i don't know how closely you followed the event um I, I, i'd say over overall success but a lot of a lot of innovations you know uh, the tie break at three games and, and no lets, and I, I think there was no no ad scoring. Three or four. I, I think it's first of four games with a tie break at three. So, oh, really? you, you, I, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're preempting you're preempting my question exactly. How, how much have they told you about? You know, you're, you're going to have to ration your energy differently and look at challenges differently. How much have they kind of prepped you for what you're about to face? I mean, I, I don't really know what's going on, to be honest. I know I, I just know the format of the games. I feel like there's going to be, if it's, th- it's three out of five of the short sets, I feel like it's going to be the same duration of a two out of three. So I feel like energy, like conservation-wise, it's probably the same. Um, shot clock, we've been playing with that a lot. Um, the the towel racks, instead of like having the ball kids bring the towels, <laughs> is probably a good change. I, I like that. Um, no, no laps? How are you with that? I don't know about that one, but um, we'll see, we'll see we'll see if I can remember to play Let's when we when we get there. I'm, I really think I'm not gonna. I'm for sure gonna let one go past me and not even realize I'm doing it. No, uh, no, no ad scoring. You're okay with that? I love that actually, just because it it really um, ups the uh, the pressure points and like the key moments of the match. Like it makes you play more big points, and I and I like that. Join uh, join in this week's debate in uh, in tennis circles. How how are you with uh, mid match coaching? You like it for for it becoming like a, a normal thing on tour? I'm, I couldn't be more against it. All right. Oh my man, I like to hear that. Why why do you say that? Okay. I mean, tennis is an individual sport, and I think a big part of the sport is figuring it out mentally by yourself. Oh man, I. I you shouldn't you shouldn't have someone helping you i think i think 
the mental part of tennis is huge, and, and it's like I said, it's an individual sport. You should have to figure it out by yourself. That's part of that's part of the game. But I thought all the players wanted mid-match coaching. Um, what, what, what's your sense? Uh, what's your sense among your peers? I mean, I I, I agree wholeheartedly with you. What, what's your sense, sort of straw poll in the locker room? I feel like most of the men don't want it. I feel like I feel like on the on the men's side they they don't want it, and I feel like the people that some of the people that like do want it, they're more like they're not like strongly I, I want it. They're like I don't really care. Um, like a lot of the people that a lot of people that say they don't mind it, it's more so they're like oh it happens anyway, so why not? Which is also kind of true, but uh, yeah, but I, I mean I think to that point I think we need to draw a distinction between a coach. You know, hey, you should giving you a little hand signal. Hey, you should go to the net more versus coming out at a changeover and giving you a, a ninety second therapy session. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I just don't think there should be any. I don't think there should be any kind of coaching. I think it's. I like I said before, tennis is an individual sport. You should have to figure it out yourself. Music to my ears. Um, but talk about your coaching, though. I, I, even on the ATP website, uh, you you have two. David Nenkin and Paul Anacoden both get uh, name-checked. And I, I do think we're seeing more and more of this co-coach situation. How, how does that work with you? Well, I mean, it worked. I, I, first off, I think more people are doing co-coaches and, and that because people play such a long year, it's really tough to find someone who's going to travel with them every single week. Especially if you're going to hire, like, a... Uh, I mean, especially certain coaches like can't they can't do they can't do a whole year. So it's important to have someone that kind of helps you training, and two coaches that work together and they kind of trade off on weeks like I'm doing, and it works really well. You know, Paul comes out a lot when I'm in in LA with me and and Nankin, and we we do a lot of work, and then you know we kind of split it up. Paul does some weeks, Nanks does the rest, and uh, it's a good system we got going. What's the uh, what's the most important thing Paul's imparted on you? he's really helped me with like I guess my thought process of like trusting he always says trust trusting the process like uh, trusting that I'm going to keep improving not getting you know too upset in practice I'm someone who gets really frustrated when it comes to comes to practice because I always want to be doing everything right and you know I'll be really calm and relaxed on the court but in practice I'll I'll get pretty upset and I think He's helped me a lot with kind of just managing my uh, expectations for myself. I think that's a good way to put it. Managing expectations and, and keeping uh, keeping my mentality the right uh, the right way for moving forward in my career. What um, what are your expectations? I mean, I, I mean, I said what kind of year was this, and you said yeah, it was pr- pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I, players hate it when you ask for ranking goals, but what? Uh, you know, do what twenty nineteen is a good year if what happens. What what uh what are your expectations? I really expect myself to finish twenty nineteen in like the top thirty. Like I really and, and I, I my goal my goals are so much higher than that, but that's I think that's my expectation at least. And uh my goal going into this year was to be seated at the uh Australian Open twenty nineteen and I honestly if I just like literally just a couple of those like big matches because once you get you know so deep into the tournament the points just basically double right right so like Shanghai win an extra match you know Basel I was in the quarters like 
could have made semis, win an extra match there. Like, it's really not far off. Just a couple matches here and there, but um, so you're yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely looking to finish next year in the top thirty, and you know, a good goal for myself would probably be finish top twenty. Top top twenty goal for twenty nineteen. Yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable. You said to me two years ago, I I asked you sort of what the what the biggest adjustment was, and and you said. I don't know if you remember this. You, you want to guess what you said? This was this was two years ago, so you know you would have been eighteen, nineteen years old. You you want to guess what you said? Going into the pros. Yeah, you want to. Yeah, you want you want to guess what you said, or you want me to tell you? I bet I said it was like the. I bet I said it was just the physicality of the game, though. Yeah, you said exactly. You said leg leg strength, and it's just a total different. It's exactly right. You said uh, just completely different level of physicality, and right now I need my legs to get stronger. You feel you've done that? Oh yeah, for sure. I've been I've been working really hard in the gym with uh, everyone at Carson. I've been working with uh, Brent Salazar lately in Orlando. I've been doing taking some trips up to Orlando literally just to do just crazy fitness sessions for two weeks and like not play that much tennis. And um, I'm gonna be doing that again this off season. So I think I definitely have made a lot of big improvements when it comes to my um, my my strength and my body. Seeing you, you just turned 21 a few days ago, which yep. I, I think, what would that make you, uh, you'd be a college, you'd be a junior in college? Is that right? Um, I think I'd be going into my junior year. Yeah, yeah, right. You'd probably be a first semester. But I, this would be the beginning of my junior year, that sounds about right. Um, so you're, you are leading a very different life from your uh, peer, you know, you, you tick off. Basel and, and Asia, and now you're going to Milan. I mean, what what do you see as the biggest sacrifice you've made? Um, personally, I don't feel like I've really sacrificed too much. You know, I mean, I guess you could say like just like the regular like college experience, like having fun and, and stuff like that. But honestly, I'm having way more fun doing what I'm doing, and and. Um, having my career so I, I don't think I've sacrificed much you know just a lot of uh, I don't know maybe just a lot of the hard work I've done I could have spent just like doing nothing <laughs> but uh, aside from that like aside from you know all the time I put on the court and, and in the gym I don't feel like I've missed out on many many experiences what's the level of uh, how, how do you characterize your levels of friendship on tour these days What's it like for you socially? Um, good. I, I have a lot of a lot of uh, very close friends. A lot of the young Americans. You know, I'm hoping to see more of them playing similar schedules to me because you know that make it a lot more uh, enjoyable for me when I'm on the road. But it's good to have it's good to have Francis around all the time, and uh, and now Mackie's Mackie's starting to play the same schedule. Um, it was good having him in Asia, and then you know I'm hoping to see Riley, Tommy, Kozlov, and seeing a bit of Mo lately. You know, so I'm, I'm excited to uh, be hanging out with more of those guys. But you know, anytime I'm at a tournament with them, it's it's always pretty uh, enjoyable. You, you've always got guys to eat dinner with and hang out with during the dead time. Most of the time, you know, whenever I do, it's whenever I do, it's um, it's always a much more fun week. How uh, how do you, how do you grade yourself handling work life balance these days? What do you mean? As a uh, you know, as as a 
you've, you've got obligations beyond hitting a yellow, yellow tennis ball. You, you've got uh, you've got a family. You're based in California. You're traveling. How, how's the sort of the uh, how are you handling the balance? That you know we we, we all deal with it. Yeah, I think I'm doing a pretty good job. I think you know I, I try to never neglect my uh, my my tennis too much because it just makes me feel like. Uh, I don't know. It just makes me feel pretty bad if I feel like I'm not doing everything I can for my uh, my career. But then I really, I really uh, spend the rest of my time doing as much as I can for uh, the family and you know and all that. So I think I think I'm doing a pretty good job of of hitting of hitting both both. Um, I guess that was the best way to put it. Like doing a good job of prioritizing everything I need to prioritize and, and really um, really taking care of the most important things and parts of my life to the to the best degree I can it's uh it's, it's a game we all play what um yeah. are you you're shut, shutting it down after Milan yep and then what uh what do the next six weeks look like after you get back from Italy um I'm gonna take I mean my plan is to take just a week off and just be with my family after uh, after Milan, and that's just like my week of doing nothing. But to be honest, like if I sit around for two or three days, like I'm gonna gonna want to do something. So maybe I'll start practicing. <laughs> to be honest, um, but then after that week's up, then it's uh, then that's gonna be Thanksgiving week. I'm gonna start training through Thanksgiving week at Carson, just gym and tennis. Obviously, taking Thanksgiving Day off, and then straight from there, I'm going to go to Orlando for two weeks. Going to do a week of just straight gym and fitness, and then maybe the next week it's going to be more gym and tennis. And then I'm going to go back to Carson, gym and tennis for another week. So those two weeks are definitely going to be like the toughest weeks for me. So I think I'm going to be doing doubling up on fitness and tennis each day, and then I'm going to cool it down one week of just lighter in the gym and tennis and then I'm going to go off to Brisbane so I'm definitely definitely having a longer off season than I typically do because I, I really want to build the body and be as ready as possible Man. for the next year a, a whole seven weeks you're telling me um, I think I think it's six weeks but yeah I'm, I'm gonna yeah they uh this, I, I had it really planned out because I want I want to make sure I, I nail it this off season yeah I mean it's, it's funny because you always hear players say that and I, I really need to do what I have to do and get in my work in the off season, and then you you realize you're talking about uh, a, a month and a half. This uh, this is a sport that doesn't it sleep. Really, it goes it goes so quick. It really goes so. And quick. you got the holidays baked in too. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Um, all right, you've uh, you've got one more tournament to play. Uh, good good luck over there. Use that towel rack and uh, don't yeah. change your stance on uh, mid match coaching. No, that'll never change. Good luck over there. Good luck. Uh, top top twenty in twenty nineteen. You heard it here first. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Taylor. Good talking. All right. Thanks to Taylor Fritz for spending some time on the podcast before he departs to Milan for the next Gen event. Thanks as always to our trusty producer Jamie Lasanti who does excellent work. I am out of the office today. Um, inside the sausage factory, we are. Crashing a TV piece, so Jamie and I will reconvene next week, but we're going to have a short outro. Uh, Some condolences to pass on to the family of Todd Reed, the 
former Australian junior standout who lost his life this week and as well to the Gimmelstab family, Barry Gimmelstab, a tennis fixture for the last quarter century or so, passed away in New Jersey a few days ago in condolences to, to the whole family, um, including Justin, my uh, Tennis Channel colleague. Um, next week, we will discuss... London, the year end. What's happened to Jack Sock? Federer and Nadal Djokovic taking stock of their year. We'll have some preview work. We will have a special Haller Famer guest, I'm told, and more tennis talk. So short podcast this week. We'll have a longer one next week. Jamie and I will be back together. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your suggestions. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are sold. Jamie likes to say, feel free to leave a review. Um, again, thanks to Taylor Fritz. Nice conversation with an up-and-coming player with some uh, some fairly fierce ambitions. Best of luck to him, and have a good week, everyone. Take care.